You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Seeking Excellence Podcast. This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield. It's great to be with you again. Today, I got my new friend, uh, Brad Piron, on with me today. Brad, how you doing, my man? Hey, doing well, man. It's good to be with you. Yeah, great to have you. We've been looking forward to this one for a while. You know, I've been going back and forth with with Gabe and, and trying to <laughs> coordinate, and we talked about yeah. it a long time ago. He was just like, dude, you know, you need to get on your podcast. Brad, and when he told me, I, I looked at some of your videos, and I was like, oh, I do need to get Brad on the podcast. Wow, thanks, man. Yeah. No, uh, Gabe, anytime uh, anytime coordination comes up, uh, Gabe Gessler, like a picture of him, shows up in my mind. He's the man. He is. <laughs> yeah, he gets it done. He yeah. and I, I love, we randomly met. I don't know if he ever told you, like, we randomly met at a, a wedding in Cincinnati, no, he for some Franciscan grads. Yeah. And he knew that I was dating at the time, my now wife, who he interned with uh, in DC. And oh, so, cool. Yeah. So he was like, wait, you're dating Emily Harpo. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> we just became fast homies from there. And it's so funny yeah. how often his name comes up in conversation to other people. And I was like, yeah, Gabe's like, he's such an interesting friend for me because we've only met once, but we talk like, yeah. you know, a couple times a month. You can't forget him. After you meet him, you can't forget him. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. He's <laughs> awesome, good. man. But yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. And first, we'd just love to, you know, introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us about who you are, where you're from, that you're unfortunately, I assume, an Ohio State fan. Yeah, and man, I, I heard. I heard before I came on you? that your, your, affections, your affections lied elsewhere. <laughs> That's right. Deeply, deeply. <laughs> We're going to our first game, actually, at Michigan um, in two weeks. That? Yeah, yeah, so Michigan yeah. State game will be there in two weeks. I got you. I can get behind that. Like, if, if both teams lose that game, I wouldn't be offended. But, <laughs> right? um, if there's a way to tie. <laughs> if there's a way to tie or something. No, uh, yeah, man, I'm uh, from Ohio, born and raised. So, um, like you said, my name's Brad Piron. And uh, for, um, yeah, any, anyone that, uh, yeah, for anyone that hasn't um, come into contact with Damascus, that's, that's where I work. So, Damascus is a community of young adults to serve the youth of the church. And, uh, really my, uh, my story starts because I'm from a, a small town in Ohio where, uh, I think like a lot of people in America, your, your identity is put in a lot of different things. So I was, uh, I grew up playing football, basketball, and baseball, loved it. Uh, grew up in a small school where, um, a lot of the things that I was doing, I was good enough at, to, to build an identity around and in a small school that, uh, that story kind of carries you through, you know, and then, uh, going from a small school to a, a huge university at Ohio state, uh, 
you quickly realize that there's levels to things. You know, when you're sitting three seats down from Ezekiel Elliott at your convocation, you're like, okay, um, the, the whole athletic thing, there's, there's different tiers to this. Yeah, and, uh, that's for sure. Yeah. During my time at Ohio state, um, I continue to go to mass on Sunday, um, because I was raised doing that. I'm a cradle Catholic, uh, family prays before meals goes to mass on Sunday. That's a, that's about how faith plays out in my family, at least how it did. Uh, the Lord's done so much in the last seven years. And, uh, yeah, at Ohio state, I ran into a group called St. Paul's outreach. So I'm sure some of the listeners are familiar with SPO and, um, SPO had men that were living life that was different. They were living life, uh, in a way that pursued excellence in a way that I hadn't seen before. And, uh, they had something I wanted, but I was too cool to say it. And so, uh, hung out with them a lot and was intrigued by their way of life. Long story short, they welcomed me to a conference in the twin cities in St. Paul, Minneapolis. And I encountered the Lord. Uh, after that, I was like, man, Jesus is real and I got to do something about this. And the rest of my life, uh, to this point has been dedicated to the service of the church. I started as a missionary with St. Paul's outreach, my junior and senior year of college. I helped found Damascus as one of the first missionaries we had here. Damascus was founded in 2015 is when we broke ground. 2016 is when we started ministry and I've been here ever since. And now we have about, uh, 300 summer missionaries who serve youth in three different states. And we have about 60 missionaries who live on site full time. We serve about 20,000 middle school and high school students a year. And, uh, I love my life, man. It's, it's a gift. So yeah, Ohio born and raised big Ohio state fan worked for the football team for a few years. Love the university. I do have more respect for the university of Michigan than most Ohio state fans. I can even say the name of the school, which most Ohio state fans refuse well, to dude, do. But anyway, that's so funny. What we do probably have in common is I, I believe that Ohio is under underappreciated as a state. Hey, you know, come on. Yeah. So I did have my year in Cincinnati and I loved it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> my wife makes fun of me all the time anytime we get to go back she's like he gets so pumped to go back to Cincinnati yeah. because I just think it's great yeah it's got a flavor for sure the Queen City's <laughs> not not too bad I'm a big Cincinnati fan so I grew up in Portsmouth which is two hours up the river from Cincinnati gotcha. and so I grew up a Reds fan and a Bengals fan which is a hard life as a sports fan for yeah, sure no I don't think the Reds have won a playoff series in my lifetime and the Bengals first playoff win was last year and we made it to the Super Bowl so you know that's what happens when you take a 7-4-0 kid and you put him at quarterback for your team. You know, not me, but the That's other 7-4-0 right. kid, that Joe Burrow guy. I don't know if yeah. you've heard of him, but he's pretty good. <laughs> he's amazing, man. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. That's awesome. I love I love that story. So what was it, I guess, for you that that really drew you to the, the SBO guys? Obviously, it seemed like they made the big difference, but you were kind of just living your yeah. life normally in college. And what, what was it about them, really, that kind of stood out to you and made you want to go deeper? Yeah, man. The two things that come to mind when you ask are uh, boldness and authenticity. That I met a group of men that were bold and, uh, and it was actually bizarre the way that I first came in contact with them. Cause, uh, at the end of my freshman year of college, I got arrested, which was really the first time in my life I had failed. I think it was, a, it just like all the, all the things that you can fall into in college. Right. So like public intoxication, underage drinking, like all the, all the things. And I had never really publicly failed. And after that, I was like, man, where am I going to find myself, you know? And so mm -hmm. I'm back at my sophomore year of college, kind of in this in-between world. And I'm walking down High Street, which is right off Ohio State's campus, going down to the bookstore to buy a book from the library that at that time I probably wasn't going to read, but I at least needed it for the class, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, a guy just saw my cross necklace and was bold enough to ask if I was Catholic by chance. And I said, yes. And that boldness changed my life. I mean, literally, I don't know if I'd be here today if he didn't take a step. and and that, that intrigued me, man. Like how many people in our world live boldly like that? I, I don't know, but he did that day. And then 
he introduced me to a bunch of guys that were playing ultimate Frisbee, like 80 of them. And they were the most authentic competitors you've ever seen. Like they, they wanted to win for sure. Yeah. But every single play there was like, I don't know, man, there was like an affirmation that they would give one another while competing against each other that I didn't think possible, you know, sure. that I just never seen like that. And I'm like, man, these guys know who they are. They know who they are, that they carry a confidence that's, that's not fake. And I'm not sure how many times I've seen that. So yeah, right. th those, those attributes, I think is that, that was like my foot in the door. Yeah. That's super interesting, especially cause I think, you know, and this would be something to really get Gabe talking about too. Um, yeah. Someday, but it's interesting to me that like that authenticity doesn't necessarily come from just having a presence or being involved in the church. Right. Like it's right. deeper than that because you know, it a is. lot of people, you and I both know a lot of people, I'm sure people come to mind yeah. that you could think yeah. of that are highly engaged Catholics, but aren't their authentic selves. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they still very mm -hmm. much like wear mm -hmm. a mask in society. They kind of, you know, are some who they think yeah. they should be as a Catholic or as a Christian yeah. or who they think their parents think they should be. Right. And they're kind of mm -hmm. living out this mm -hmm. like false identity while still going through the motions and not just going through like checking the basic boxes, but like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like some elevated stuff. Of, no, right. Right. Well, it's a, it's a big thing. Like, uh, I think there's, there's two, uh, ways of going about our lives as Christians, right? Like we can have our identity and take it into our circumstances or let our circumstances define our identity. And, uh, we talk about this a lot with our missionaries here at Damascus, a, a concept that we like to, to throw out to them early in their formation. So we have a two year formation program where our missionaries get, um, really developed in leadership and theology and like, in all of the things that you need to be able to minister for the Lord in the church. And one of the first things we teach them is that there's a difference between being a thermostat and a thermometer. That a thermostat actually, it, it carries something into a place, whereas a thermometer just reads the temperature of the place. Reflects and, uh, it. Exactly. That's right. That's right. And so, and there's something about um, our world today where Christians have decided to just make their Christianity, a part of what they do, not the central feature of what they do. And, and they only bring it into the circumstances that are convenient to have it. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I can see why, I mean, I, I'm tempted towards that same comfort. This isn't a, a them and me thing. Like, um, it's comfortable to just kind of fit in and blend in. But, uh, I don't know. Those guys weren't afraid to stand out and not in a braggadocious way, but in a way that was different you know? Right. And I noticed that and I was intrigued by that. And, and so you're right. Like there, there are so many thoughts in my mind about like, just man, that particular person in my life, if they would know their identity and take it with them everywhere they went, they, they'd be unstoppable. Right. You know? And uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully we can get to that. Cause people are <laughs> super drawn to that. And I think that that's yeah. something that is, is so tough because like, as you are converting and, and I'm sure you might've experienced this, you know, for me, I was super ratchet throughout high school and um, and just like kind of getting into college was the first time in this past weekend, you know, you and I just talked about my uh, adult childhood divorce uh, retreat this past weekend. And it was really mm -hmm. big for me kind of going back and reflecting a little bit more deeply on like who I was and what happened yeah, in my yeah, life yeah. that kind of formed me in those formidable years. And by the time this comes out, I have released my like reflections on that retreat. Um, but, you know, like thinking about that, I was just like, man. As I got into college and I started realizing, wait, like, wait, not everybody's parents are divorced. Like, this isn't necessarily normal. Mm -hmm. You know, some of these people mm -hmm. come from loving families. And I was trying to, like, force myself into the focus groups and the, 
you know, daily mass goers and all this stuff. Well, I'm mm-hmm. like from scratch trying to figure out how to be Catholic. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, do, do I have to like how much of me do I have to lose? You know, like as you're kind of growing closer to the yeah, Lord, that's right. Good. To be that's a good. saint, it's like how much of me or what I at least think is me. And some mm-hmm. of it is, some of it isn't, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like my preferences even, right? Like it's one thing to say, all right, I have to let go of, you know, whether that's watching pornography for some guys. For me, I was hooking up sure. with girls, you know, as, as much mm-hmm. as I could. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously yeah. it's like, okay, that seems pretty clear over time. So it took me months to figure it out. But I'm like, yeah. I had to let that go. Then eventually it was like, all right, I have to stop over drinking, right? Like I can't be mm-hmm. just getting wasted. Um, but mm-hmm. then it's like, mm-hmm. but what about my love for rap music? You know, yeah, how's what, that fit in? Yeah, yeah right. what about my love yep, for a comedy yep. or action movies, right? Like, mm-hmm. what about sports? You know, like, how do you, how did you kind of go about that in your own life? I'm curious to talk more about, like, yeah, how much of yourself do you, how do you remain yourself and not yeah. just kind of adapt? Because when you go to like a Franciscan or a Benedictine, I feel like you see that a lot of times where mm-hmm. it's like everybody's just the exact same. And it's like, you guys yeah. don't all like the same yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right, 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 right. You no, gotta have I get some it. differences, bro. No, so, no, for sure. Yeah, because yeah. we don't want to become a monolith right. because that's not attractive. Like, I don't want to become a robot. Exactly. Like, I, don't want, I don't want Nate to be me or me to be Nate. I, I want Nate to be fully Nate. That's what I want. Right. Exactly. And, uh, but, but what does that even mean? I think that that's the question that you're getting at. And it's the right question. It's, uh, it's funny. Cause I give talks to high schoolers all the time. And I was giving this talk to this high school group. And, uh, at the end of it, I had gone through my testimony, very similar to yours, right? Like I was, uh, just, I was running with the, the circles of friends who were popular in the eyes of the world. And that brought with it all the things that come with those circles of friends, because there are ways that you get attention in the world. And there are reasons that you're looking for it there, you know? And so, mm-hmm. uh, Anyway, I was telling my testimony uh, kind of at length at this in this talk, and uh, at the end, I was doing a and a and all these girls were asking questions, and because our sisters are always holy, man, like they're asking all these questions, they're like being moved by the Lord, and I stopped at one point, and there was the classic punk group of guys in the back, and those are my dudes. Like, I love the dudes that are sitting in the back that are like laughing at the beginning, but then I'm speaking so authoritatively, they're like, yeah. I don't know if this dude's being serious. I- I'm-, I'm trying to make fun of him, but I'm not sure what he's doing, you know what <laughs> right. I mean? Like, that's, yeah, for sure. That's my group. I love those guys. And so anyway, I stopped and I'm like, okay, hey, any of the guys got any questions? And I mean, you could have heard a pin drop, right? But I was just, I was determined. I'm like, I'm going to wait it out. Like, I'm going to wait it out. You know, the Lord waited it out on me. And, um, and it was so cool. A dude in the back in the, in the kind of like cool group, he was right in the middle and he raised his hand and I was like, yeah, man, what's your name? And then he, he showed his name and I was like, uh, yeah, what, what you got? And he's like, um, you know, I, I loved your story. I, I guess the question I have is like, do you ever miss your old way of life? And uh, it was the most honest question I think I've ever gotten in any of the talks That's that I've deep. ever given. Yeah. And, it, and it was amazing because, and, and I, I'm getting to something because I know that you're, you're trying to plug this into like, um, what was it like to not become like everyone else and maintain the things that make you unique while still being Christian? And uh, I think this story gets to that because my answer to him is what I encourage all of us to do more of myself included. And I was just honest. I was like, if what I literally looked at the dude and I was like, if what you're asking me is if I had fun doing some of the things I used to do, that answer is yes. If the question is, was it fulfilling? That answer is no. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the, that's the distinction there, right? Like, I, I think sometimes we want to sell people on like, yeah, all that stuff I was doing in the world. Like, <laughs> no, I, there, there was an element of adventure in it, which we were made for. There was an element of um, pursuit in it, which we're made for. There was an element of 
confidence in it, which we're made to have, but it was just placed in all the wrong places. Right. And so it wasn't fulfilling because it wasn't going to the right place. And so what I've tried to do, like, and, and, and to varying degrees of success, like, you know, Nate, like it's, it's never perfect, but like, I've been trying to bring that same Brad who was pursuing all of the right things in the wrong places to the Brad who's pursuing the right things in the right place. And, yeah. and not to lose that. Like, man, I, I like I like wrestling with ideas. I, I like stating things boldly. I, I like wrestling out to see where the truth's at. I like competing. I, I like all of that stuff. And that stuff belongs in the church. Like the Lord has a place for that. Uh, and yeah, I, I guess the last thing I would say is like, how do you keep what you have and still become Christian and not let it take over you? Like, um, you got to recognize that the Lord is the fulfillment all, of all desire, not the abdication of all desire. You know, like he's not trying to take everything from you. He's trying to fulfill everything in you. Right. Um, that, that has been my path at least that's, that's long winded, but I think that's, no, honest. It's, it's beautiful, <laughs> man. And, and you sparked something big in me in just thinking about how, you know, when, and I reflect on that question. Had I been asked that question, it's like, when, when you look back, the, the highs of my old way of life were yeah. lower than the highs of my current way of life. No doubt. And you could say that maybe like the absolute peaks of those, like the just pleasure seeking, the hedonism might have been closer than to the highs, but the that I currently experience, but the lows, bro, the gap on the lows is incomparable. No doubt. The gap no on doubt. the lows, the, the highs of the old way of life are very short lived and they mm -hmm. might they had mm -hmm. huge spikes, mm -hmm. right? Because it's just hedonistic, pleasure filled life, huge yep. spikes. Yep. But yep. the lows were long lasting and yeah. were much yeah. deeper. And the big difference, mm -hmm. I think, between the lows of a sinful way of life and the, the lows that naturally come in your life, right, yep. as you're carrying your cross, is that you go through shit now as uh, highly engaged, you know, as somebody who's pursuing the Lord, following the Lord, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like the situation sucks, right? So I think of like, yep. I, I shared deeply about uh, my wife and I had a miscarriage in May, like just a couple months after we were getting married. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and I've shared a lot about that and it's like the situation sucked, right? But like I had my wife, I had the Lord, like yeah. Yeah. the situation, yeah. bro, when I was going through those back in the day, like I sucked, you know what I mean? Like I mm, was digging yeah. and making my own mess. So it wasn't just like, oh, the yeah. situation sucks. It was like, I also felt trash about myself and yeah. like, it was yeah. like healthy guilt. Like this isn't like a, mm -hmm. oh, I was being mm -hmm. too hard on myself. Mm -hmm. Like I should have felt mm -hmm. bad because I was hurting people and using people yeah, and, yeah. and using myself and wasting my life's potential. And you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And just like no doubt. hurting God. And like, yeah, I should no, feel bad sure. about that. And you're going to yes, feel bad about that. You definitely are. Yeah. Well, and because you're like, uh, man, what am I trying to say? You're, you're, you're living for something instead of living from something. Yeah. Like I, I'm living, I'm living for affirmation. I'm living for attainment. I'm not living from those things. Like when, when I recognize that, like, man, it's those seasons of our life where we realize that we're not enough, right? Mm -hmm. Like he, he, um, the biggest fear of man is that we're not enough. Right. And then you have to kind of like get into a place in your Christianity where you recognize that you, there, there's a part of a lie in that. So I have to proclaim the truth that I am enough. But then, then a mature Christian realizes I'm not enough, but he is so enough that it makes up for my not enoughness, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and yep. like, and like, that will change your life because then, like you said, man, like the lows aren't nearly as low mm -hmm. because, because I'm starting from a place of gratitude. Like, you know, I, I don't know, like the only thing I deserve in my life, like legit, the only thing I deserve in my life is non-existence. 
<laughs> Everything past that point is a gift. And like, yeah, there's hard things that come, but man, if I count every gift from the point of non-existence to where I am today, I, I would run out of time. Right. You know? And like, and, and that makes the other things bearable. Whereas like when I'm living from a place of, uh, never being satisfied in, in, in not in the eternal sense, but in the, like, I'm trying to fill it with this thing and this thing and this thing. Yeah. Those lows, um, yeah, you end up at the, you, I, it might just be because when you end up at that particular low, there's no one there. There's a, there's no one that you're in relationship with there with you. It's not that the Lord doesn't go to the lowest low, but now when I have lows, I'm in relationship with someone who immediately brings me out of it. Right. And going back to what, what you said before about how do you maintain yourself, I've learned that one of the big differences too is understanding the difference between sin and preferences, right? That's because it, when you get into mm -hmm. the Catholic culture, a lot of people will want to push down your preferences for things that mm -hmm. aren't sins, but will try to like sure. take you and they're like, no, we want you to be like we are, right? Like we want mm -hmm. you to like the things that we like, want you to do the things that we do. And that's where you can get into a difficult battle sometimes, right? Because there's clear examples where people will try to maintain these attachments. We see this most clearly, I think, in like LGBT scenarios, right? Where it's like, this is who mm -hmm. I am and I want to be happy. So like God, you force that mm -hmm. into the church, right? It's like, God will be okay with this. And it's like, clearly right. like the church has spoken that like you, you, you as a person are good. Your, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. your desires don't make you bad, but you acting on them, you can't act on them and clearly violate church teaching and act like that's a preference and not a yeah. sin, right? Yeah. But then on the yeah. other side, you have things like, I had this big debate. I've got uh, a bunch of ink on my body. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> sure. when I was deciding whether or not to go through with my forearm and get, you know, yeah. finish out the sleeve, I was like, yep. Yep. man, you know, I had, I did a lot of research on it and I'd already done it some because I already had tattoos, but this was like yeah. kind of a yeah, bigger yeah. step because it was going to be super visible all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I love them. Like this, it was to me, it almost represented it in a bigger sense like the tattoos themselves represented like a commitment and they're Jesus and Mary, but it was like yeah, a commitment sure. to be myself through this journey as well. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And say, all right, mm -hmm. I'm not going to, mm -hmm. I don't have to like watch speakers and try to speak like them, podcast hosts and try to podcast like them, people on social media, try to emulate them. Like I yeah. will pick the virtues and the things out that, that are good mm -hmm. in other people and try to yeah, emulate yeah, the yeah. virtues in my own life through my own way, you mm -hmm. know, but yep. I don't have to try to make myself this mirror copy of, all these other people because some people are going to yeah. be offended by it. Cause some middle-aged women might not want to see me or listen to me because I have tattoos. Sure. It, that's sure. not my problem. Yeah. Right. Right. You well, know? There's something you're getting at the heart of something, man. There's something in the church that, that I, I do think particularly in the Western world we run into where it's like, um, I want to convince everybody that my way of engaging this thing is the right way of engaging it. I, I love, uh, like, um, I listen to Pints with Aquinas a lot and, and Matt Fratt Same. actually came onto our podcast and it was really cool because, uh, again, it, we're talking authenticity. Like he's the same guy when you meet him as he is that you're watching on YouTube. Yeah. And, and there's something admirable about that, you know? And, uh, he says something about, um, man, I'm thinking I'm paraphrasing, but I'm hoping it's a quote. I, he, he says something to the effect of like, we shouldn't demand conformity where the, the church allows for diversity of expression, mm -hmm. but we should demand conformity where the, the churches spoke absolutely, right? Like it's both and. Of course it is because the church is always both yep. and. Anytime we're making it an either or, we should check ourselves. There are mm -hmm. times when it's either or, but it's very seldom. It's normally both and. So it's, it's, it's both that I shouldn't demand conformity where the church is allowing for the beauty of diversity, but 
I should demand conformity where the church has been absolute, right? right. And there is something there where we don't feel like those two can coexist. It's like, <laughs> yep. no, of course. Like, yeah, I don't know. What, what do you think about that, though? Oh, we, my I mean, gosh. We're, 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 we're getting around something there, but uh, I, I think that's my initial thought. Yeah, I think it's just something that people struggle with both sides of it, right? Like, we're just really yeah. bad at getting... And, and I talked about this last night, and this is probably like a good segue into some of the masculinity stuff and, and boldness stuff. No, uh, yeah. We had our men's group last night and I was I was sharing with them. I was like, I'm constantly per- perplexed by two sides of the church. One that thinks the corporal works of mercy are superior and the spiritual mm. don't matter. And one that mm. thinks the spiritual works of mercy are superior and the corporal ones don't matter. Right. Yeah. And that's where I think this kind of comes down to as well of like mm-hmm. we either have mm-hmm. to force conformity and all be the exact same because. Mm-hmm. I, I think about this and I get on the trads a lot. I get on the liberal Catholics a lot. Right. I think Same. on both sides. Same. Yeah. Yep. Because they both yep. need criticism. Um, and mm-hmm. those are the two sides that I'm talking about that prioritize yeah, virtue those two lies things. between two extremes. Exactly. Right? It always does. The, the, the right, correct virtue. T- it's between tension points. Exactly. Yep. And I just, I think of like people from different, um, traditions or cultures, right? Like if, uh, mm-hmm. like we have this African dude in my parish that like always is fresh, but like in African, you know, yeah. garments. And I'm like, I wonder if he showed up at a trad parish. He like, isn't wearing a suit, right? His shirt might not be tucked mm-hmm. in, but that's like mm-hmm. his like mm-hmm. freshness, right? Like he's wearing yeah, his right, Sunday right. best. Like, I, I don't know this for a fact, but like, you could just imagine, right? They're, they're kind of being like, no, you have to dress this mm-hmm. way. And it's mm-hmm. like, you should wear your bet. Like there's the principle, like sometimes it is the spirit of the law, right? That we yeah, need to yeah. take that. It's like, no, yes. you should wear what you have. That is your best mm-hmm. in your culture. And that's okay. Yeah. That, that a church in India might not wear suits mm-hmm. and ties to mass yeah. because they're yep. wearing something different. That, and, and we don't think that way. Like so often, mm-hmm. like we, we they have one side of the church that devalues the strengths and the important role that the American church plays and then you have yeah. the other side of the church that thinks the strengths and the, the virtues in the American church need to be everywhere and are the only good thing that happens in the church. No, that's right. That's right. That's right. Well, it's Moses and Elijah. It, yeah. It's the law and the prophets, right? It, there, there, there is ways that the church is developing into the third millennia. And bless mm-hmm. the Lord for that because there's adventure in that. Right. But there's also deep, deep roots that we can't forget about. It, and of course, of course, it's both. Like, mm-hmm. Like I, I, I just, um, I think it's, it's so funny because, um, I don't know, man, I think in times when we've lost sight of real evil because of how comfortably we live, we, by nature, try to find someone to compete with. Yep. And, and I, I'm just being really honest. Like a lot of the thoughts that I, I, uh, I give in a lot of the, the areas where I, I have passions yeah, I, I mean, I've I've experienced some pushback from outside of the church, but a lot a lot of what I see, a lot of the divisive language I see actually comes from in, inside the church, mm-hmm. from, from my brothers and sisters. And, and what I'm what I'm always wondering is like, are we missing the point? Like, are are we are we in a? Um, I think sometimes whenever I like set up shop on one thing, I, I'm not even interested in why the other person's thinking the way they are. Like, I'm just, I'm more interested in like, I'm less interested in which liturgy you prefer. And I'm more interested in why you prefer it. Mm-hmm. Like, is it because you don't think the world has enough order and you like more order in your world? Uh, I think that's valid. Uh, do, do you like, do you like a liturgy that you feel like you can participate in easier? Why? Oh, because you want to feel more a part of the church and, and you do feel more a part of it in that way. I see both of those as really good things. Right. 
And I, I think it's like, but we don't give ourselves time to see the other side and the heart that they're expressing. It's like what we were saying, Brad, the, the pre-conversion Brad and post-conversion Brad, those Brads could have a conversation that mm-hmm. they're looking for similar things. They're putting them in very different places. But the idea that that person can't have a conversation, it's like, no, that guy, that, that Brad and that Brad can talk. But then in the church, it's like, well, I'm going to just stay in this echo chamber and listen to everyone that agrees with me and not allow people to push back on me. But man, we're not growing if we're not getting pushback, you know? hundred percent. And we have, uh, I know one of, I'm a big Jordan Peterson guy and one of his- Oh, me too, dude. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. Huge. One yeah. of, I just, maybe we could debate this. This will be a later, it's a whole separate topic. His, <laughs> yeah, his conversation just, yesterday was like, I listened to this conversation with him. It was like my least favorite. Was it with Peugeot? Uh, with, with, with the uh, Muslim, the Muslim guy? Did you yeah, listen to I it? I haven't listened to it yet. Oh, no, I haven't man. listened to it yet. We'll listen to it, then we'll do another one someday. Yeah, but, we'll have to do that. <laughs> but one of his rules for life that I think is so important, and I get super, super frustrated with mm-hmm. people, and I'll give some examples that don't do this. Yeah. Um, and we all don't do it sometimes. But one of his, sure. in the first 12 rules for life, is treat the other person that you're speaking to as if they have something to teach you. Right. Like going into conversations with humility, assuming that. And that's like such a classic, like philosophical maxim, right? Yeah, of like yeah. every religion, every philosophical of like have some humility and understand that the person <laughs> that you're speaking with might have something to teach you. And you can learn that from a homeless person. You can learn it from a college professor. Sure. You can learn from somebody's parent, somebody who's broken and d- divorced and, yeah, you yeah, know what I mean, yeah. has made a mess of their lives or somebody who is super successful. Like, just understanding that some people can teach you what not to do. Some people can teach you what to do, but either sure. way, there's a lesson for you in like every conversation. And I hmm. am part of this. Um, I told Gabe a little bit about it. I'm a part of this program that I'm also doing some podcasts on as I go through it. Good it's night. a class every nine months. It's called leadership program of the Rockies. And it's awesome. And it goes through huh. like defending the constitution defending capitalism and just kind of understanding cool. Cool. America's yeah. founding. Um, but yeah. I just remember, bro, I was in the class. Like we had to pay, it, w- it was like north of $2,000 to go through this class, right? Sure, sure. I'm sitting next to, the, I'm sitting at a table. There's five of us. I was the only person that brought a notebook. And I'm like, yeah. that's like us yeah. showing up yeah. to learn yeah. from these like great speakers. Like this one guy who is a former congressman from, mm-hmm. from Colorado, mm-hmm. this guy who's mm-hmm. been a teacher for dozens of years. And I'm like, and, and yeah. just that, but it was just like, it was, that was a moment that's like reflected, personified the way so many of us, including many of us Catholics go through all of life. Mm-hmm. We don't show mm-hmm. up to mass mm-hmm. to learn anything. We don't speak right. with people to learn anything. So then when we get into these conversations and we disagree with somebody, all we want to do is be like, well, let me teach you everything I know that's going to prove why you're wrong. Instead yeah. of how about yeah. I learn? And then maybe I can have a soft heart. And when you say you felt like you didn't belong in the church for years and the no disorder makes you feel like you belong, I can accept that as a reasonable answer. Yeah. Hey, let's have a conversation about it too. Right? Like <laughs> we've just, we've lost our fascination. Yeah. W- like, what are we doing? Like, like I was so excited for the podcast today because I'm fascinated about your life mm-hmm. because you're different than me, man. Like how, I don't know how we've lost that fascination. I mean, I, there's, there's probably reasons, right? Like I, I, I don't ever wonder about things anymore. Cause I can Google it in my pocket in the next 30 seconds. Right. But, but like when we lose our wonder, we lose our fascination. And when we lose our fascination, we dehumanize the person across from us. And here's the thing, Nate, like if you were just like me and we agreed on everything, I wouldn't have any need for you. Right. Right. I wouldn't need you. And eventually I'd get to a place where if all of us were the same, I wouldn't need anyone which would effectively make me God. I don't need anything. And, and believe me, I'm just prideful enough in that situation to believe that I was the Lord, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, I like that I need. 
I, I need wisdom from other people. There are people that know more about things than me. There are people of different backgrounds than I have. Now, I'm not going on like, you know, like, I don't know. Sometimes we can go too foolish that route too, where it's like, I don't know, everybody from Portsmouth has the same background. It's like, no, we don't. Like it's Appalachia. It's got its own flavor for sure. But like, we're not all the same. Like I'm not a monolith right. from my community. I'm not a monolith from the church. Like I'm Brad and I'm talking to Nate. And there's people listening to this that bring in their own stuff. And again, I just think we got to get back to being fascinated. Mm-hmm. Like, think about the church today, brother. Like, I, I think we can get caught up in a lot of periphery stuff that, that's not that it doesn't matter. Like, abortion, it, it, it's, it's, a scourge, it's a scourge on our generation. Mm-hmm. There's no question. The poverty in the world is unbelievable. Euthanasia is on the rise. But, but none of that, none of that is the biggest issue in the church today. The biggest issue in the church today is indifference. The good news isn't the good news anymore. It's just okay news that I've heard before. I'm not fascinated by the life of Jesus anymore. I'm not fascinated by it. Why? I don't know. But I need to get back to being fascinated by it, yeah. right? Like, I want to be fascinated by the things he said. I want to be fascinated by his life. I want to be fascinated by the way that he died. I want to be fascinated about the way that he cared for widows and orphans. I want to be fascinated by the way he cared for his brothers. I want to be fascinated for the ways that he spoke. Like, I want to be fascinated again. And I I think we have to, I do think that's a place where we have to welcome Holy Spirit back into our lives. I I really do. And in the church as individuals, like, Lord, open my eyes to be fascinated again. Yeah. To, to want to wonder again, because the, the, the scriptures say that it's my favorite title for Jesus. Well, gosh, that's a hard thing to say. I, (laughs) I like a lot of the titles for Jesus, but one of my favorite titles is Wonder Counselor because wonder is usually aimless. But when I know Jesus and I wonder, I know the end. Yeah. And that's fascinating. Half of eternity is eternity. Like, it's, it's <laughs> like I've been married for two years now, and my beautiful wife, Nina, is like, I don't know anything about her. And it's the best thing ever. It's, it's the greatest uh, mystery. Right. Like, it, I don't know anything. Yep. I don't know anything. Because she's, because there's a spark, of, there's a spark of eternity in that. Mm-hmm. And, and if we, do, if we don't get back to being fascinated by that, man, like, uh, we'll live a more boring life than we should. <laughs> yeah. And people yeah. by and large aren't fascinated by anything these days, right. you know, and it's just such a sad way to live. It's been one of, it's, it's interesting. I feel like recently I've had a lot of conversations around people asking about the podcast and what I enjoy about it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, one of the most fun things is that. I don't even know. I don't even feel like I look for things to podcast about, but I'm like, right now, I feel like I have six like solo episodes in me, you know, and like great things to talk about with awesome people like you. And I'm like, because I'm just like always wrestling with stuff, right? Like I'm always feeding myself things and and the Lord's always bringing me to things. And I enter into that like uncertainty, Mm -hmm. whether that be my parents' divorce or whether that be understanding Mm -hmm. like duty Mm -hmm. as a virtue and like responding to your duties in your life. Or this yeah. stuff with Jordan Peterson yesterday and thinking about his response to this Muslim guy pressing him on Christianity and how much I dislike mm-hmm. his mm-hmm. answers, you know, or yeah, yeah, I listened yeah. to another podcast yesterday with some uh, non-denominational Christians and was like thinking about the the gospel, like the one asked mm-hmm. her, the uh, one woman asked the other woman to give like a a two minute, you know, elevator pitch for what is the gospel? What is Christianity? And I was like, it was awful. Like I was like, her answer was yeah, so bad. Yeah, but yeah, I think yeah, about yeah, that. I'm yeah. like, what would I say? And I take time mm. to just like sit and ponder these things. And it's like, that's so fulfilling. You know, that's what the yes. Greeks taught yeah. us thousands of years yeah, ago. Yeah, that yeah, like yeah, yeah. sitting and thinking about important stuff is, mm-hmm. is like one of the peaks of life. 
right? Like it's one of the yeah. most important things. But you think of all these people, man, who are just droning on and on with social media and uh, just, I, I mean, you might come from, you know, families or friendships where you just talk about nothing. You know, that's how yeah. we were growing up. It's like, Chris, oh yeah. my gosh, dude, once I started getting into this stuff in college, I like dreaded Thanksgiving dinner because I'm like, it's sure. the worst hour yeah, yeah, of the yeah, year because yeah, we yeah, just sit yeah, there. Yeah. The peas are really good. How's work going? Oh, it's good. Yeah, and yeah, I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh, I'm going to stab myself in the eyeball, yeah, yeah, you know? It, well, because we're afraid, man, because yeah. the, there's a fear. There's a fear, man. Like, and, and that's, that, that's, it's so funny because like for the majority of my life, you know, you, uh, you think toughness and confidence looks a certain way. Yep. And, and then, and then the Lord directs your ways and you're like, no, like one of the things I admire the most now in my life is when I hear people like Peterson or someone else, like, man, I'm fearful there, you know, yeah. like, cause they're self-aware, right? Cause, cause what are, what are like, think about the Thanksgiving table that you're talking about, right? Like, because if I bring up something that matters and someone totally dismantles it, what does that mean about me? Mm-hmm. And then, and then it amplifies the lies that I'm already believing. And that's the thing is that we've, we've gotten ourselves into a place where we've believed lies. I wonder even if we've lost fascination because we don't believe we're worthy of like being fascinated by things. Like if it's just like, yeah. you know what, my life's going to be just okay. I'll just kind of like go through it, you know? And, uh, I, Pope Francis, like, and, and I'm sure that the, the listeners to your podcast that like, there are things that Pope Francis says that I, I would love him to clarify. And there's things that Pope Francis says that I'm like, that's the best thing I've ever heard. Right. Yeah. Evangel- Evangelii Gaudium, I, I still to this day tell our missionaries, if you haven't read it, you need to go buy it or I'll buy it for you. That, that like some of his lines, like one of the lines that always comes to mind, in order to persist in fervent evangelization, we must be convinced from personal experience that it's not the same thing to know Jesus as not to have known him. In other words, you have to be different if you know Jesus. If you're living the same life you'd be living if you didn't know him, you're living the wrong life. He, he gave a, a homily at World Youth Day, and, and it, was, uh, it was actually a military analogy, interestingly enough. And uh, he talked about that this, I mean, I'm paraphrasing again. I wish I knew it. But he was talking about the, the sadness of our times is that there are so many men that will go through their lives without leaving a mark. Mm. And that's just the antithesis of humanity. Like you were made to leave a mark. I was made to leave a mark. But again, back to your point, Nate, if you and me are the same, you don't need to leave a mark and I don't need to leave a mark. Someone else will leave it. They're, they're the same as us. Right. But if we figure out how unique we are and what we're called to bring, then, you know, then we're into something. But um, yeah, man, I, I do think that part of it, I, to kind of connect that, I, I think that our church and not mother church, mother church and her perfection uh, has so much to teach us, but church, meaning that the people within it, I, I think that we've gone wayward in this, um, cause as good as capitalism is and as amazing as the West is at allowing us to live lives that are unbelievably fruitful. There's also a doing mentality we can get into. There's undoubtedly a, I'm only as good as the product that I bring to the table. Yeah. And I think over time that identity has then left us to no longer believe in ourselves enough to pursue meaning enough to be fascinated, you know? Yeah. 
Absolutely, man. And I think coming back to uh, the boldness, I love that first quote from Pope Francis. I don't think I'd ever heard that before. But we were, like I said, we were kind of talking about that last night at Men's Group of like discerning, right? Like you have somebody who's like, you know, uh, super vulgar, pink hat wearing like on the street. Like do you go up and try to preach the gospel or you have a friend of yours who like you're close with that's living, you know, very much outside the Mm -hmm. church, like discerning, right? In these moments with strangers, with people you love of like, when do you evangelize? Mm -hmm. And I think the boldness, I always say the courage, um, always comes from there's i feel like there's two things that are lacking right often there's lacking courage and there's laziness right there's sloth Hmm. and i think the laziness Hmm. is what we talked about already of you're not willing to sit and listen right i'm not willing to like ask you questions to get to know because i just want to get my point done and i I think you should already be where i am and so i'm just trying to rush you through this this harsh you know this process that you're going through Mm -hmm. and the other side is a lack of courage and i think the lack of courage comes from when you don't actually believe what we believe Right. If you don't actually believe that heaven and hell exist, if you don't actually believe that knowing Christ is is better, you know, substantially better than not knowing Way him, better. why would you why would you say something? Why would you bring up yeah. anything on an airplane or you know with your friends or with your family? Mm-hmm. Like why would you ever mm-hmm. say anything? What what's, yeah, what difference does it make, right? Yeah, yep, yep. And we've made it boring too. I think that's a part yeah. of it, right? It's like we've made heaven boring. Like we literally say, give your life to Jesus and you'll still endure suffering, but he'll be there with you. And one day you'll live in perfection with him. But so, so we've made the goal heaven. And then you ask the average Christian, what is heaven? It's kind of like, well, you're kind of like Casper, the friendly ghost for eternity, just kind of like floating in nothingness in a, in a really bright light, singing songs of praise. Well, it's like, it's like a never ending church. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That, no, exactly. Yeah. No, that's it. Like, the worst yeah, parish it's, it's you've a, ever been to. It's never yes, ending church. It's, it's, it's a never, it's a never ending closing song at mass. <laughs> right. It's like, no, it's like, no man. Like that's not it. With the drums. That's not it. It's, it's, it's no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and guitars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the rain stick and yeah. everything. Like, um, no, I, I, uh, I do. I think that like, it's all connected. Everything we're talking about right now is connected, yep. man. It's like, yeah, that boldness comes from really believing what I believe. That like, no, this thing, I'm staking my life on it. You know, I was listening to a Peterson Peugeot conversation with Douglas Murray and and Jonathan Peugeot. For those for those who are listening, it he he's a Orthodox icon carver and he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. And I, I love what he says. I would love to have a conversation with him about the East and the West sometime, but that's a, that's an entirely, that's a pipe dream. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he brought up something fascinating in that conversation with Douglas Murray. Cause Douglas is, is absolutely brilliant and believes in a lot of the things I believe in, but doesn't go so far as to give his life to the thing that I think is the most important thing in your life. Yeah. And Jonathan so beautifully presented that like in our lives, we all need one we all need one miracle to believe in. So like, like I went to Ohio state and I have brilliant friends that are, uh, atheist and agnostic and, and man, I still love those dudes cause they still have a piece of Jesus in them, even though they don't know it, you know, yeah. like I love those dudes. Um, but like, it just gave context for like, you know, e- even my most eight, a- my most like atheistic friends, when you ask them like what happened at the big bang, they have no idea. It's just, it's just a miraculous happening. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, yeah. You can believe in your one miracle being the big bang. I'm going to stake my life on the miracle that Jesus rose from the dead. Cause we all need one miracle. And that's the one that I'm going to choose to believe in. And it's changed my life. 
But in order for you to believe that, you have to see a life changed, you know? Yeah. And, it, and I can't be boring and like looking like everyone else and just talking in Christianese all the time. Yeah. And like, like I, I can't do that. Um, yeah. And you got yeah. I feel like you got to deal with this all the time because I would have, you know, these similar moments. And it's really hard, I think, to be not pastoral is not the right word, right? I don't think, but kind, yeah. gentle when a parent comes up to you. And sure. they could be 60 or they could be 40. And they're like, why doesn't my kid want to go to mass? Why does my kid go to church? Why does my kid care about any of this stuff? And you're like, and you know, like I know, because we've studied this stuff. We're like, yeah. it's at least partially because of you, right? Like yeah, you're like, it's yeah, at yeah, least yeah, yeah, yeah. partially because of you. And if it's a mom, yeah. it's like, maybe it's less because of you and mainly because of the man you picked to have your kids with and to get married to, um, which is still kind of your fault. But, you know, it's like, how do you go about you know, addressing that? Because yeah. so many people don't want to ever acknowledge, like, why don't they do this? And it's like parents at a certain point, just like I think with our families, like evangelizing your family is not the same as everybody else. Right. Like it's a different ball game, And there's certain points where, like, I think the ratio of prayer to words has to be a lot yep. higher on the prayer side when it comes to your family. And yep. parents, I think, is is it's 50 50. Probably, you know what I mean? For most of the yep, child's life. Yep, but when yep, they're yep, yep. when they're 30 and you're the mom, it's 90, 10 prayer and words. You know what I mean? Sure. Like it's not yeah. even close. Like, you preaching yeah. to them is doing nothing because you had your time. That's it. That's you know it. what I'm saying? Well, it's, uh, yeah, I do. I do. And, and I think I get that question all the time too. So I guess what I'm trying to do right now is just think through like, I mean, I think it goes back to that fear thing. What what is that parent? Why is that parent asking you the question? They're asking the question because they fear that the answer might be them. Yep. At least partially. But here's the thing. It's like, we don't have to be wedded to the person that we were. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, um, we fear things that are partially true. Those are the most dangerous lies or the half ones because we can believe them. And it's like, yeah, that's at least partially you. And if we could have that conversation, let me also tell you how your life converted now would be such a testament to that. Like the Lord writes redemption into everything, Mm -hmm. but you have to look different. You have to look different. I have to look different. Like I have to look different every day. You know, like, like those dudes that I used to party with, like, like all the ways that I used to live, those people still know that Brad. So there's this, like Brad's running this Damascus thing now. Like, uh, how does that work out? You know? And if they just see Brad, whenever he hangs out with them, reverting to old ways, they're like, oh, it's a pretty good show. Like you're, you're putting on a good, like right. you're good at that podcast thing, right? Like you're good at that given talks thing. You're good at that. Um, you know, it's actually funny. I, I'll share this with you because um, I was mentioning like, well, you were originally mentioning, mentioning that we don't all want to look the same um, because that's insincere, right? Yeah. And then I, what I was saying is like, it gets boring whenever we don't go to like when I was a, I'll speak from personal experience. When I was a young adult at Ohio State going to church, when I would go in and see a bunch of people that I didn't know how to relate to and that all seemed pretty much the exact same, there was no interest in me staying. Yep. And, and here's he, here's actually like a, a story I've told before on our podcast, but sharing it here, I think, because I'd love to just see if you've had similar experiences. We, uh, we were in a, so at Ohio State, there's like, West campus, which is just like where they pack a bunch of people into like small dorm rooms. And we were in one of the towers right next to the stadium. And, uh, I was in like a 
I, I think I was in a room with three others. So we had a room of four and then we had a room of four and then two and one. So we had 11 people in this common room. Anyway, long story short, one of my friends at the time was atheist and I came home from mass one Sunday and he's like, Hey, what's up, Brad? What are you doing? I was like, I'm just coming back from mass. He's like, you're still going to mass. I was like, yeah. And it was just one of those moments we had a chance to have a conversation, you know? And he's like, he's like, why you go to mass, man? I'm like, I don't know, man. It's like a, it's a peaceful ending to my week. You know, I was given all like the, I didn't know because yeah, I didn't have a good right. answer. And, uh, and he looks back at me and he goes, can I, can I tell you why? Like, uh, but I've never bought into the whole Catholic thing and I don't buy into the whole Christian thing. I was like, yeah, I mean, go for it, man. And he's super smart. Like to this day, one of the smartest guys I know. And, and he, and he's read and he's researched and like this, this dude just, he, he gets it. He's like, so the Catholic church, you, you guys, and tell me if I'm wrong, you guys believe that you go on Sunday and you, you hear from the word of God and, and, and that's like the, the, the part at the beginning. And, and then, it, and then you have a time devoted around what you believe to be Jesus representing himself. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's, that's about right. And he's like, yeah. And then, and then you go up and, and, the, and the main point of mass is that you receive Jesus into you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He goes, well, the reason I've never bought into the whole Catholic thing, Brad, is because growing up, I had a bunch of friends that were Catholic and they would all go to that mass thing and they'd all receive the represented Jesus and they would leave with nothing changed. And so I don't believe in Catholicism because I don't believe it's actually changing them. And if that was the God of the universe entering into their life, don't you think that something would change? And I remember like, it's one of those crises of faith that the Lord allows us to have so that we can be better later when he brings us back. You know, mm -hmm. I remember in that moment, I didn't have an answer because I, be I believed him to be right. I was like, yeah, I just leave mass on Sunday with the same complaints I had going in. You know, like it's, it's that interesting part of the Lord. He never forces himself on you. Like Jesus is going to change your life to the degree that you allow him to change your life. Mm -hmm. He's going to change your life to the degree that you bring faith to the table. Whenever I'm approaching the Lord in communion, it, it's like, it's like intimacy with your wife. Like it, it, it's made to be the same. Like, like there is a, there's a difference in just getting the act done and bringing myself to it. There, it's, it's very different. It's very different. Mm -hmm. And, um, and if you bring yourself to it, it'll change you. And man, I think he had a point. And I think yeah, my definitely. life since my conversion <laughs> has been like, we got to go with that. We got to go with that thing. We got to, we got to attack whatever that is. And we got to make that different. Like, um, uh, uh, one of our guys here, his name's Dan. He gives a talk and he talks about a semi truck and he goes, it's to middle schoolers. So pardon how juvenile it is, but it, it but we're all just complicated middle schoolers, but yeah. like, it, it, like, he's like, if you go out on the road today and a semi comes driving down and you get hit by it, what would happen? And all the middle scores are like, oh, it'd be crazy. And he goes, well, the one thing I can tell you is that if you got hit by a semi, you'd never be the same. And I ask you this, what's bigger, a semi or God? And yet we encounter the living God and we don't change. And that's not on his end. That has to be on ours, right? And that's a truth that we speak to middle schoolers, but man, I don't know. That's a truth to me every day too. Absolutely. Yeah. We, it's amazing, especially when it comes to receiving communion, how 
ordinary we look at it. You know, because you can think back. I mean, I remember my wedding day. I remember getting confirmed. I've had powerful mm-hmm. moments in confession, you know, where you just yep. feel different yep. afterwards, you know. Yep. And I'll never forget. I had this really powerful confession once where in my, when the priest was giving me my penance, this was with Father Saad in Harrisburg, one of my favorites. He was telling me, hey, he was like, shout out. He, yeah, he's the man. Uh, he was telling yeah. me, he's like, I know this can sound weird sometimes, but he's like, I actually want you to pray to the Lord to let you feel the freedom of your sins being yeah. forgiven. Like, pray for that consolation. He's like, he might not give it to you, but he's like, no, but there's nothing not. wrong with asking. And there's oh, something about not. these yeah. these powerful experiences. You know, I just, we talked about briefly the retreat, every retreat, right? You come up to the like summit of Saturday yeah. night with the music and yeah, yeah, the adoration. Yeah, yeah. And it's like that, like that, there's an impact there that changes you. And mm-hmm. I think the one thing we ought to get better at as Catholics over time, as we go on retreats, or even just you start to do this with your daily prayer time is how do you, how do you guard that? Right? Like you mm-hmm. see it at baptisms, right? Infant baptisms, they give the light oh, to the parents, yeah. they give them the candle and they say, it's your job to protect and keep this flame lit. And some of our parents sucked at that, right? Some of our parents blew it out on the ride home, like intentionally, sure. right? Sure. Yeah. Um, but for us now, now we kind of protect our own candle, right? And we have community, we mm-hmm. have friends that we can bring around us to kind of help us protect our flame. Mm-hmm. But you get better at that over time, or at least you ought to, right? Of when I leave mass, I leave mass and everybody, even your lukewarm Catholics are like, I just feel better, right? And you should, mm-hmm. but how do you, you protect that and let that kind of move you into when I get in my first argument with my wife after mass, or I get into right. traffic after mass, or I have an in- interaction with a coworker that pisses me off you know, on Tuesday, like, yes, have I protected my flame enough that I can actually handle this differently than I would have if I didn't go to mass on Sunday? Yep. You know yep. what I'm saying? And I, yeah, I do. I do. Well, like, you know, um, I don't know, man, if there was a, if there was a camera on my life at every moment of my life, you know, so there's a camera on us right now, but yeah. if there was a camera on me when I'm driving by myself on the freeway, if there was a camera when I'm alone at my house, if there was a camera when I was one-on-one with my wife, if there was a camera when I was with my friends from college, when I was with my friends from high, if there was a camera on every single moment of my life, could I give that tape to someone who's never heard the good news and then watch it and believe that my life's different enough to believe in what I believe in, you know? Like, because they're going to be, what are they going to be looking for? They're going to be looking for consistency and authenticity. They're going to look to to your point, like, man, I can put on a good show at mass, but like it, it, and it, maybe it's not even a show. Like, let's give the benefit of the doubt. Maybe I go to mass and I have a heart for it. And maybe I do leave and I, and I have something that happens in the mass in my heart. Like to your point, like it's so important if we're going to evangelize the world, if we're going to tell the world there's good news worth believing in that I don't, that I don't just respond to an argument the same way the world does. You know, yeah. one of the good mentors of mine actually said that once I was like, Brad, I've can I've can. I've convinced myself that what I need to do in my life is realize that anything I respond to in my life that I respond to in the same way I would have had I not known the Lord, I need to change. Because like, then why believe in the resurrection? Like if (laughs) if I'm just going to argue with Nate the same way the world argues, if I'm just going to get, you know, whatever it might be. So yeah, man, I I totally get it. And, and mea culpa too. Like I, I, I got to get better there and I want it. And that's, and that's, I mean, that's the spiritual life, right? We, you got to want, you, you, it, well, you don't, it's not that you got to, it's when you want it. The Lord, he, he always shows up there. Yeah. He loves when we desire more of him. A hundred percent. And when you talk about that story with your friend telling you those things about like their vision of Catholics or their image of Catholics that they've mm-hmm. had in their lives, mm-hmm. it reminds me of, mm-hmm. I went through this period and I, I mean, it's still kind of ongoing, but I was really worked up about it for a long time in college. 
uh, when I was like kind of coming out of my conversion because I was doing so much work <laughs> trying to evangelize so many people that I was yeah. like, I would get so mad when people who were not practicing Catholics would say that they were Catholic to the world. And I've had this debate a lot and I've wrestled with it a lot on the podcast of like, what does it like if somebody's baptized Catholic, are they always Catholic? Because I've had this stance that I believe that we do so much more harm than good with that rather than telling people, mm -hmm. Hey, even if you're a baptized Catholic, like I just yeah. think of your friend, right? Like that guy, if, if everybody who was baptized yeah, Catholic yeah, yeah. didn't actually believe it would just say, Oh no, I, I was like, my parents were Catholic sure. or I used to be Catholic. People mm -hmm. wouldn't have this trash view of thinking that like, oh, Catholics yeah, yeah, yeah. are, because they would encounter people who would actually claim they were Catholic, who were at least striving mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. live their life mm -hmm. differently, right? We're at least striving right. to do right. the things that the church mm -hmm. tells us to do. And I've like mm -hmm. struggled with that so much because I feel like I, I've had this argument for a long time in youth ministry and, and a lot of other things in the church where I think we plead for mediocrity, yeah. right? I think we go about pleading for mm -hmm. mediocrity and we try to... In, in a group of a hundred kids, there's like five who just like are not hearing it at all. And we want to try to like make it as fun for them and make it like everything for them. And then you have yeah, 20 yeah. kids who like want to be fed and developed, who will go out as adults and evangelize the world that are unformed yeah. because we want to mm -hmm. like plead for mediocrity for these five. And I think that's the same yep. thing with this idea of like, Oh, I like, Oh, I'm sorry to tell you atheist that, you know, lives this mm -hmm. debauchery, mm -hmm. you know, life of debauchery. Yeah. You were baptized Catholic. So you're always Catholic. Like that to me does more harm it's for trying mm -hmm. to like, I don't know, make piss them off because <laughs> they're not sure. even feeling good about it. But it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it just pisses them off. And then we turn to other people. We're like, he's Catholic. And then the person who's nothing, you know, a non-religious mm -hmm. is like, that's mm -hmm. a Catholic, you know, yeah. that's what being yeah. Catholic means. And so I just yeah. never understand that. It's one of my biggest frustrations. But back then mm -hmm. I used to be so mad about it. Bro. <laughs> I used to be like, stop yeah, yeah. saying that. Because you no, don't believe yeah. any of this. No, know? right. And there's a part of that. You no, know, there's a there's a right, there's definitely a righteous indignation that comes there. Like there's a there's a, a righteous frustration. And then like it, it and and not even in a way to like counter it, but like where I think the Lord's had me over the last year, because I'm I'm very similar. Like I I I I lean very justice. Like I've had to learn mercy over <laughs> right. time. Like yeah, I sure I, I, and uh you know, the, the two, the two things that I always go to Jesus with is like, there's clearly a part of Jesus's heart that in his humanity manifested justice, right? Like the, the flipping of the tables, right? Like, why are you making my, my father's house a marketplace, mm -hmm. right? Like he, he, there's a, there's a, there's a fight for a justice there that we see in his humanity. And then also we see a deep mercy at Lazarus's death, right? Like when he, when he weeps outside the tomb and that, that Lazarus was fallen like all of us, you know, and, and fallen creatures. There's a part of us that deserve death, but Jesus saw past that, right? He wasn't weeping just because his friend died. He was weeping because an immortal soul was never supposed to pass through death, right? Like there's, and he knew that. Obviously. The mourning and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. And so I think with me, man, where I've been going at recently is, and, and a lot of this has been inspired by Peterson. Um, well, and Solzhenitsyn and so, so, I mean, so, so many, but man, that, that line of, uh, the line of good and evil runs through the heart of every man, you know, like, like they, I, I, it's, it's funny because what I see in certain people, the Lord in my personal prayer time has just been showing to me, like my heart burns for mission, right? Like from the very beginning, as soon as I was converted, I'm like, this thing's real. No yeah, way. Right. <laughs> we got to no tell everybody. <laughs> everybody's got to know. 
and and, right. and that is my tilt. It's still my tilt. It's just it's the way I'm made, you know. But you know what I really struggle with doing? Taking a Sunday to rest and hear about my wife's week. And I get really frustrated with the Christians who have never spoken the name of Jesus to someone else in their entire life. Mm-hmm. But equally, I've been hearing from people for a few years now, like there's a pushback to me of like, yeah, but Brad, you don't, you don't know how to, you, you don't know how to rest and rely on the Lord. And it's like, oh man, you mean that same insecurity that's leading them not to do mission is the same insecurity that's leaving it to where I can't rest. Oh no, man. Like we're all in this human cycle together, man. And, and so it's been a real, it's been real, a real humbling experience for me. And, and I wonder what the Lord would do with that with you, Nate, in the sense of like that frustration is valid, man, hundred percent. And then I wonder like, what are the ways that I'm representing Catholicism in a way that mm-hmm. I need to be better, you know? And again, it, it, it's not an either or it's not, it's not, it's not sacrificing the one in the name of the other. It's just the other gets put in right order when I recognize my, what can I control? Like, where's my, where's my circle of influence? And, and like, I'm going to start there. And, and, and I just believe that the Lord changes things. Like, that's been one of the cool things about Damascus is the move of Damascus. What I constantly hear is none of, none of y'all are the same. You guys speak of things kind of similarly, but like, y'all have unique, like, personalities and stuff, but you're all different in the same way, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that's my sphere of influence. That is what I can influence. And then hopefully those people that are like, I, I'm Catholic nominally, and I'm going to say that I'm Catholic and then say everything the church doesn't teach. Hopefully people are like, yeah, okay. I hear what you're saying, but this, this, this group that says they're Catholic, they believe everything he's saying, and they look way different than you do. And I'm more attracted to that. I almost think that we've played a game in the church for a long time where we're like, okay, let's detract people from certain things. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not, I'm not even saying that we should stop doing that in some senses, but I'm wondering if instead of trying to detract them from listening to the people who say they're Catholic, but don't live it instead of detracting them from that, because I can't control that. What if I attracted them? to a real Catholicism, you know? And yeah. I think that's what you're doing. I mean, I think that's what you're standing for. And um, I don't know, man. I, I, I hope that that makes sense. I, I'm, I'm trying to piece that together. But no. I, I think like, yeah, I, that, that, that's right. Like your sense is right. And then it's just like, what, what I'm always like, and then what, right? Like, and, yeah. so what do we do in that? Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's a couple of things that came up for me is thinking about, you know, the righteous anger like you talked about. I think the the yeah, place where sure. the place where it's most due, I've I've, in part of this program that I'm in, there's a lot of reading. And so I'm reading economics in one lesson. And the one thing he says is that economic fallacies always fall from one of two things. And this is where I feel like this kind of applies into is this economic yeah. analogy is he I says either people are only focused on the immediate consequences of a decision of an economic policy um, and ignore the long lasting impacts that are often way outweigh the, the positive immediate impacts in a negative way, or they only focus on the impacts on one group, neglecting the consequences and impacts it has on other groups of people in the community. Right. So focus on individuals instead of the whole. And I think that's because I think of where I get most frustrated with this kind of statement is it'll come from a priest or a speaker who are on stage Mm -hmm. at giving a talk to people. 
yeah. they talk about a conversation they have with somebody else. And I think that what I clarified as you were talking is I don't think that I'm mad that in the one-on-one conversation they told that person, hey, you're still Catholic. What I'm mad about mm-hmm. is that now in front of this group of people that could be all over the map, that you told all of them that that person's yeah. still Catholic and could be leading them to think that, oh, if they're still Catholic, because I think that's mm-hmm. the question that never gets answered and where I've, I've done whole podcasts on it of what does it mean to be Catholic, right? Because if it means yeah. to be Catholic, yeah. is to be in the body of Christ, which means you're going, you know, mm-hmm. you're on a trajectory to heaven. Like that's a yeah. dangerous thing to be telling people that. But ultimately, good, I think Nate. the great point that yeah. you came up with is we always, and when you're righteously angry or you're pissed off at somebody else, like yep. bringing it back to, you know, looking at yourself and being like, how can I, because we, that should be our, our hope, right? Is like, Lord, you know, For sure. this person might not be doing the, the things that you want them to do. Like, let me be like, help me to make up for that in the world. Right. And, yeah, and just, yeah. you know, make of me what you will. Um, yeah, man. I love, I love that about you. I, I it's, it, I, I'm like, I, that, cause that's, that's exactly right. Like, just as we've been talking, like what I'm, what I'm picking up on is just, there's a, uh, I don't know, man. There's, there's a, there's a good, um, I'm just recognizing that you, your heart is a heart that doesn't want to give people permission for mediocrity. Mm. And it's just, it's so clear, right? Cause that's, that's what that is. Right. So if I'm a, giving a yeah. talk and I'm saying in front of thousands of people that this person that's super wayward is still Catholic, what I'm doing is I'm giving permission to the ones who might not be as astute as some of the others permission to be mediocre. Exactly. And, and I do think that's an issue in the church too. And, and so that makes sense that the Lord would be putting it on your heart to go at that. Right. Because <laughs> right. I think, I think, I think we do that in like, I think we do that in the vocational sense all the time. Yeah. Like we're, we're a church that, that touts vocation. And I think we should in the right sense, the vocation is a call from the Lord, but vocation, like, I think it gets misconstrued as Jesus is the means and my vocation is the end. So I follow Jesus. And I ask him questions and I go to prayer so I can come out with a vocation. But instead, it's actually the vocation that's the means and Jesus that's the end, right? Yep. Like, the, like, the, like the vocation is teaching me how to be more like him and how to recognize him more. And I, I think that like a lot of times we, instead of raising the bar for men and saying like, hey, like, before we step into a relationship here, what if, what if we attack this and get virtuous in this area? Hey, before we enter the seminary, what if we attack this virtue, mm-hmm. right? Like, because, because we can hire the bar and we can say, we can say, don't settle for mediocrity so that your wife can have the best version of you. You're never going to be perfect. It's, it's not a goal of getting to perfection. Right. It's just a, it's a, it's a goal of like, man, let's get hungry to get good. Yep. Let's get hungry to get let's get hungry to get to a a place where I can welcome someone into my life and yoke them to more virtue than vice. Yep. And man, like if we can hire the bar and and I wonder what you'd think about this. I'm going to give it quick. Like I think one thing that that I've been wrestling with in my own mind over the last few years is because in our culture we get our identity out of doing way too often. I think what we've effectively done is we have lowered the bar because we recognize that when I wake up in the morning, I don't know if I can reach the high bar. And so I'm defining myself off how well I do that day. So because I know that I can only do this well, I'm going to leave the bar right here. So I know I reach it. Oh yeah. But here's where I think we got to get better. I'm never going to lower the bar in my life ever. And also I'm never going to reach it. 
But you know what? <laughs> yeah. I am gonna I am gonna go as close as I can and then fill the gap with mercy. That's where Jesus fills the gap. But I refuse to lower the bar. We can't just be like, hey, let's just make this thing easy because that's not working, right? Yep. That's not, and that that's starting to get into. That's so funny because I can tell by my tone it's getting into a part of my heart. Like <laughs> we 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 can't. Uh, yeah, we we can't settle for mediocrity. That's awesome. 100%. Now, yeah. I talk about that constantly. That's the whole seeking essence philosophy. I'm like, people don't want to take all these seven pillars under their ownership, under their responsibility, mm-hmm. because you can never be at an A plus at all of them, right? Like, you you always are right. going to, as you put time into one, like others are going to struggle, right? And so yeah, that's yeah. just kind of the nature of the beast. And it's like, but but you mm-hmm. can't not, you can't just drop one, but that's what everybody does, right? You go all in on yeah. work. And neglect your marriage and you end up divorced, mm. but you're really successful at work. And people are like, Well, I didn't I marriage wasn't one of my pillars. So I'm not like it's not, mm. I dropped that class. You know what I mean? So it doesn't affect yeah. my GPA of how I see myself. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, nah, no, that's bro. Good. Like, I withdrew. I withdrew. Yeah, exactly. Like even the divorce and stuff, like right. Yep. Like I withdrew. Your like I, I didn't even drop it. I was in it. I was yeah. in it for a while and then just realized it was hopeless. So I withdrew. Yep. And so it, that's a me, really great. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. come up on my report card. Yeah. So hundred percent, man. Well, I appreciate it. Man. People like you, man, make me wish I could do long longer form podcast and talk to you for three hours. Yeah. But yeah, for as, sure. we, as we come to a close, man, would just love to know how can people, you know, support Damascus or, or find or learn more about it and pray for you guys. Like tell us a little bit more yeah. about it. Yeah. Thanks, Nate. So yeah, we're um, all things about Damascus can be found at Damascus.net. Uh, I'm a part of a podcast called Beyond Damascus. Me and our two executive directors, Aaron and Dan, we have a good time uh, doing a variety of episodes. So we do some formational uh, shows. We do some shows with interview, long form interview, short form interview. So, um, they can find that just anywhere podcasts are found. And then, um, yeah, we have a a variety of conferences and retreats for all age groups. So, uh, we have a young adult conference in the winter time called empower. And, uh, I love that. I love that conference. It's, It's so cool to see people from around the country come to it. And, um, we all just worship the Lord together. And, uh, and allow him to change us as we've been talking about, you know, and then, uh, uh, we have like uh, men's retreats, women's retreats. So we really cover the spectrum, but Damascus.net will give you all that good information. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, and pray for us. The Lord's doing a lot. We're opening summer camps, uh, across the country and we're excited to see where all we end up. It's awesome, man. Well, it was great. Yeah. I just want to thank you again for, for joining us today. I hope that everybody, you too. Um, really enjoyed it. I'm sure that they did. I know, you know, the audience well, and <laughs> I know they, yeah, yeah. they enjoy conversations <laughs> like this, man. So yeah, thank man. you so much. Thanks for being real and um, for you sharing your thoughts and, and your example with us today. Yeah. Yeah. I'll look forward to next time. Thanks for having me on. You got it.